Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Real Podcast. Jeff Johnson over here, Samantha Balch over there. How are you doing, Samantha? Uh, pretty good. It's quite rainy here today for the first time in a while, but that means we get a lot of mud. So the children oh, are very pleased. Congratulations. Very pleased. That'll be great. We haven't had much rain this summer. We had uh, about 15 minutes of rain, probably the first rain in the last month the other day. Um, the first drops hit the ground as I walked out the door with the dogs and the last one stopped as we uh, as we walked back inside. And I was we were going through like mid calf puddles on our my, my mid calf, wow. not the dogs, but it, it <laughs> poured. And of course, it all it probably all just ran off. And so it didn't probably none of it soaked into the ground. So it's going to be yeah. miserable for the poor farmers anyway, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about anthropomorphic toilets. We sure are. But first, this is a tease for the, uh, the listeners. We're going to get to the anthropomorphic toilets, but first I had a weird thing that happened the other day and I want to send a shout out um, to uh, actor Jimmy Smits. If he happens to be listening to the show, um, are you, did you just, okay. First of all, listeners, very important. Jeff accused me of possibly not knowing who he was going to be talking about, as if I do not know who Jimmy Smits is. Okay, so how do you know Jimmy? Uh, how do I know uh, my mother is in love with Jimmy Smits? Hmm. Uh, my mother has been in love with Jimmy Smits since like the 80s. I know him as Senator Bail Organa from <laughs> Star Wars, and I know him as um, I know him from The West Wing as well. Okay, and so your mother probably <laughs> fell in love with him uh, apparently the same time I did in the late 80s during uh, NYPD Blue. Oh, yes. Okay. And so um, you were an infant and toddler probably at this time. So this show was um, what primetime TV back when there were only a handful of channels. I mean, cable was a thing, but it wasn't a big thing. And the show is famous for one, um, their their movie camera work and their, their, their shortcuts and that kind of thing. But also butts, the first primetime television butts on TV, NYPD Blue is my understanding. Does and this so, include Jimmy Smith's butt? Well, we're going to get to that. Oh, um, we're going to get to it. got to have a drink here. <laughs> I would so, like to apologize to Jimmy Smith and all of his family. No, this is this is all pro Jimmy. Um, <laughs> so the other the other, I, I started a couple of weeks ago on the Hulu rewatching all whatever is 120 seasons of, uh, of NYPD Blue. And uh, Jimmy shows up about the I don't know, the fourth or fifth episode of the second season. But then uh, in uh, what the first third of season three. Uh, scene opens up it's like back when they had commercials you don't know what commercials are you're too young but commercials are this thing and so imagine the black screen and it fades on to a butt a naked butt on tv Mm. but you know it's like 2020 2021 now it's no real big thing but there's this butt there and i thought huh that's a nice butt but because it was kind of a close-up of the butt but then the camera pulled back and I realized it's Jimmy Smith's butt and for for a moment or two I felt kind of awkward admiring Jimmy's butt but hey Jimmy buddy if you happen to be listening nice butt bro nice butt and um so that's my Jimmy Jimmy's butt experience um I I, I'm sure I saw it when it originally aired but uh tv screens a lot bigger was this show on what was this like a late night this show? This is like 9 p.m. Okay, this was Watershed. So like yeah, you this, could, yeah, this is you after could the kids, see a butt. Yeah, this is after that hour before the news came on here in the Midwest. But <laughs> So Jimmy, I, I don't know what your butt looks like now, but uh, man, late 80s Jimmy Smith's butt. Um, great. You're going to have to check check in with your mom, Sam. And, uh, we'll and definitely be asking Kristen how she <laughs> feels about that. <laughs> Did you see this one episode? 
Oh, if she wants to, I can totally get her the episode number. If she wants to check it out, and we could. I, I end up becoming friends with your mom as we discuss Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's backside. Right. Um, uh, you can right. also watch Jimmy Smith's dancing in in the Heights. So well, enjoy that. It, I mean, he sings. He dances. Sings and dances. Okay. Um, right. So, and he was he was great in that one season of Dexter as well. Oh, he was in that. Yeah. Wow. What a prolific man. Great guy. Great really guy. And Jimmy, Jimmy, one more time. Great butt, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic <laughs> toilet, Sam. Uh, you threw this idea at me. I know. Got I sure no idea did. I actually did. Vi- I, I, for the listeners, I feel like last year, Jeff made a terrible life decision in which he gave me his phone number. Because I've had his email for a long time, but then he gave me his phone number. So then I started to text him. And I didn't just text him like show stuff. Now I just text him weird shit. Like when a kid put a gecko on my face. The first thing I do is I text Jeff about it. So I think this was a couple months ago. Um, I text Jeff a picture of an anthropomorphic toilet. And it is, it's maybe half an inch high. It's a little plastic toy thing. And it is a toilet with a face. And I have to say, it kind of looks like it's straining. It looks uncomfortable, this toilet. And it's part of, there's a whole bunch of other anthropomorphic items in this bin. And this bin was set up in the morning by someone else before I got there. This is a plastic little toy toilet or this is a antique collectible porcelain toilet? This is a plastic little toy toilet with a face and very brightly colored in this bin with all of these other very brightly colored anthropomorphic objects, like a stack of pancakes and a tennis racket. And I had so many interesting thoughts about it when I saw it. So this was in a classroom with older twos through young fours. Mm-hmm. Um, so a decent age range. And I'm 90% sure this is something that was donated to the school, just like this set of things. Cause they're, they're, they seem more like, you know, like the little things like young elementary children might like collect and trade around or something. Uh-huh. I don't know if kids do that anymore. Um, but they, they struck me as that kind of item and they were just sort of placed in their box on the table. And I was thinking to myself, self, what about this is set up in a way for children to play with? Because this is just a box with things in it. And lots of times boxes with things in them are the best invitation. Mm-hmm. But this isn't getting a lot of attention apart from me giggling and taking photos of things every few minutes and the children be like, what are you doing, Sam? I'm like, I just think this is interesting. <laughs> I think this is interesting. I'm going to take a picture of it. So I think, I feel like several years ago, you and Lisa did an, a couple episodes where one of you went to the toy aisle of a store. I, I and tried you just to talked it, about, but... And you just talked about the things that you saw there and the kinds of toys that were currently being marketed to children. And I just, I was just thinking, how does this toy better our school? How does this anthropomorphic toilet better our children's experience at school? I don't think it's actively harming them, but I do wonder, are there other choices we can make? Well, 
uh, I mean, there's always other choices. I, I love, I, I like the idea of, of an, a toilet with human attributes. Um, and I'm going to admit to this right now, sometime in the 26 years of direct care I did, I'm sure I told at least one three-year-old that, uh, that um, it would be great if he could poop in the toilet because uh, the toilet was hungry. I, I am absolutely sure that I have done that because it, it just totally. feels, I don't, I don't specifically remember an occurrence, but it, it totally feels like something that I would have and and maybe should have done. Right. Um, I think I think that there's room for lighthearted nonsense. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a big fan of lighthearted nonsense. Um, see, I, I I don't know. See, I think kids are so drawn to bringing life and human personalities to everything already that it seems a little bit like busy work for toy designers to do it, except for the fact that toy designers need to design toys. Cause I mean, that's right. your, it's your job. And if you go to toy design college, um, you graduate with, uh, with a BA and they get a master's in uh, anthropomorphizing things. I mean, you got to do it cause you got a degree. You, you gotta, you gotta buy kibble for your pup, but um I, I don't know if it's needed because I mean kids do the same thing with with blocks and yeah, pine cones. With their lunchboxes. Actually, it's somebody today with their lunchbox, their lunchbox started eating my hand. Like you can't eat my hand. I need my hand to eat my lunch. And you know, it's just a fit of giggles. And that I had never seen happen with the tiny anthropomorphic toilet or the anthropomorphic tennis racket. So I was sort of struck by this idea of well, a couple different ideas like a do we teach or in any way learn how to critically look at the toys and materials that we offer children because I can say that no I did not do that for many many years I was not taught to do that in my undergraduate degree at all um, I think a lot of that comes from good being in a really great environment that does that naturally with children. But then the idea of like, if it isn't serving us, what do we do with it? Because everyone in this profession is a hoarder. And I'm calling you out, whoever's listening, I'm calling you out. Everyone in this profession is a hoarder and we're so afraid to get rid of stuff because what if we need it someday or what if we want it again? So how do we, look at the anthropomorphic toilet and say, this is not serving us and then let it go. <laughs> and where do we let it go to? Do you have any other non-anthropomorphic toilets in the program? Yeah, yeah, okay. several in like doll houses or for like little small world play. Oh, okay, because yeah. I mean, like if you were, if that was your only toilet. The only toilet. Your only toy toilet. Um, it would be probably worth keeping. I mean, have you, have you tracked it? Have you watched how kids use it or don't? I have. I don't think anybody, I have because I'm just, I'm now very invested in the life of these anthropomorphic little things. And so I just want to know what's happening. <laughs> so which of your little plastic toilets gets the most use? The one with the grunting face on it or, or, or one of the other ones? <laughs> None of them, as far as I can tell, are favored. They are all something that, like, how do I, 
I feel like the children treat them like rocks or shells. They go up and they look at them and they examine them and then they put them down and they walk away. I've never seen children play with them in a small world way where I have seen them do that with blocks or with small sort of peg people Mm -hmm. or with those wooden dolls or with baby dolls. I've never seen them take this thing that is specifically has humanoid characteristics and use it in a way where it can interact with other people in like a humanoid way, which I thought is interesting. And, like, is and that is, an age is, thing or? Is, is there pooping going on in any of their small world play? Yeah, uh, not typically, no. Sometimes with the baby dolls. So, but it's always, we have to uh-huh. change the baby. It's never yeah. like the baby is vicious. So we have to change the baby. Now it's time for the baby to go to sleep. I'm like, are, all right, you yell at that baby to sleep. Are all of the kids constipated? Hmm. Entirely possible. I, 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 don't, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I would blame this probably on um, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right? You're going to name a piece of media to blame? Well, no, I mean, no, because that, that movie came out and then there's there's all those, I mean, there's what's her name, the teapot, and there's that that candelabra guy and all those, yeah. all those, uh, all those things that came to no, life I'm in the movie. I'm tracking this, yeah. And uh, then all of those became, uh, hmm. became, um, McDonald's Happy Meal toys, and so there was a a burst with a burst of these inanimate objects made human, and uh, and then some other toy company said, "Hey, we got to get in on this," and that's where your that's where your toilet came from, and that's I where I bet the toilet was from. born. Yeah, entirely could be something I've noticed or I've wanted to do is I've wanted to take them. Cause now I'm in the slightly older classroom. I'm with like the four-year-olds to the, some of them are going to be six on their next birthday. And I've wanted to take them and put them with a scale, like a balancing scale. Mm-hmm. I've just wanted to use them as like an item, like a loose part and see if any, but like, I want to, I think it would be interesting to set them up just as a thing and then see if they transition into any small world play with it. Or if they only view it as this item this and not as, yeah, not as this playing thing. Does your does your balance scale have a face on it? You know, it doesn't, but we could add one. You probably need to add one. I, I, yeah, that I reminds me of all those posters. You know, did, did you ever see those posters that like, it's like a poster which has shapes on it, which I think is a whole other interesting conversation. Um, but all the shapes have faces. All the shapes have two eyes and a smile. I swear it's like Carson DeLosa is the name of this company that like everything has a face and everything is always smiling at you in the oh. same way. And it's a little creepy. That does it's sound like, creepy. Here's a rectangle and it's smiling at you. Like, why do we have to personify the rectangle? <laughs> Can't it just be a rectangle? I, yeah. Um, I don't know why they need, again, they got to sell their shit, but right. I, I think kids are so drawn I mean, the toilet, keep the toilet, get rid of the toilet, whatever. Whatever. Um, but I, I love the idea of how kids are constantly bringing things to life. And there's that, that drive there. And I think maybe in early learning settings, we don't pay attention to that as much as we should because it's all part of the social experience, right? When you take... Yeah. Um, when you take uh, two pine cones and they become a mom and a dad 
and they they have to go to the swimming pool which is the water play table and they dive in and they're having this conversation there's so much language going on there there's so much practice or demonstration or not of social skills there's there's so much interaction there that that it's of, of great value and and those things don't have to have the faces painted onto them and and the fact that kids do this with things that don't have the faces painted on them the grunting toilet face or whatever it is the fact that they do it with with just plain old wooden blocks is is more amazing to me than the the fact that they might engage with this with something somebody else designed i think i think this is the heart of this conversation for me which is now that we've dis- that we've been discussing it like i finally realized where like where this came from when i immediately saw it as i think like you just said it almost strikes me as if these toys are trying to take over or dumb down a process that the child is always going to do on their own right like the child they're going to make the lunchbox into something that's going to eat. They're going to make the pine cones into a whole family of pine cones. They don't need the face on it. They don't need the giant dollhouse with the separate rooms. They can make that. They will make that. Those things can be nice to have. But at the end of the day, don't you have a sticker? Or didn't you used to have a sticker that says this? The play is in the child, not the toy. Um, so that's yeah. what stickers you yeah, that's exactly what it says. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and that's the thing. And so when we're when we're picking out toys, um, I, I always look for things. Well, I, I don't pick out toys. I mean, anymore. But uh, the less it is planned and organized and arranged and prepackaged, the the better. Uh, because because then it becomes a looser thing. Um, mm-hmm. So a ball is a much more just a just a plain old. We'll make it green. A create plain old green bouncy ball is in my mind a much better toy than the anthropomorphic toilet or a Batman figurine, just for the simple fact as it's it's just plain and the kids can can make it into what they need it to be. There's so much planning and organizing and marketing involved in most toys that because I mean that toilet there there I mean there maybe there's a comic book or a cartoon yeah or, or something, something that goes that goes with it too because so many toys have that built into them and so the the simple the basic is is usually the best choice because it allows more flexibility when I wonder too keep going because I just totally cut you when when, well, when kids when kids when we adults build personalities into toys which is basically what the the, yeah. the face on the toilet is um or barbie dolls or whatever it is we build these personalities and backstories into toys it steals the opportunity for children to develop those things themselves which is why i'm such a big fan of loose parts because those things are generally fairly i don't know if generic is the right word but they're blank slates that the kids can can use to to create the world that they want to create. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if maybe that is why I have seen children use the anthropomorphic toilet and all of its anthropomorphic friends as more of an interesting curio and not as a toy to play with. I wonder if they view it as, oh, this already has a role. 
there's nothing I can give this. So I'm going to go over to the blocks because this, this doesn't really serve me that well right now. Or I'm going to go find, you know, the little wooden animals we have because I know I want a specific animal, but I can still decide what it's doing. And yeah. if it's happy, if it's sad, if it's, you know, hungry, what it's up to. Yeah. And then your point about loose parts, I find myself more and more drawn to when I'm looking for things for a classroom or when I'm recommending things, I feel I'm always drawn to telling people to look for materials less than look for toys. Mm-hmm. Like just look, look for, just look for stuff. <laughs> this, this weekend I bought um, a giant like landscape edging roll because I was sort of partitioning off a space specifically for mud play where we can then hose them off. And then it's a little, a little more manageable than what it has been. And there was some left. So I just set it up as a ball ramp and just left it for the children Mm -hmm. to figure out. And I had a kid who was there for a long time with, we have, um, we have kukui nut trees in our yard. So the candle nuts, if you've, if you've been to Hawaii or if you've seen like those nut lays, like they're brown, they're Uh lay and they're like little nut. That's, those are the trees that grow in our yard and their pods are a little bigger than the actual nut. So they're relatively circular, so I just got a stack. So the, of those are the necklaces the dude bros wear. Yeah, um, and normal people and dude <laughs> bros. Um, I mean, every time I go to the thrift store, there's always a huge stack of them. So like, I will periodically buy some and then cut them up and then have the children string them on things because uh-huh. they're cheap and yeah. <laughs> they know what they are. So yeah, I like I just left that stuff out. So it was from, a, it was leftovers from another project and free stuff from the yard. <laughs> and the children were really interested in it. It was also their first day. So they're kind of figuring out how to make it work. I showed them how you can make a loop mm-hmm. with it. One time, one kid did get his little kukui nut to go in the loop and we all freaked out because I honestly <laughs> didn't think it would work. <laughs> so that to me, I'm always looking for stuff like that. And again, well, I don't think it's a bad thing or you're a bad person if you have, you know, a tennis racket with a face or a Batman figurine or something like that. And I think there are more opportunities out there that children yeah. will be interested in. Yeah, I, I just, and, and in terms of play things, I, I'm always more in favor of, of real things than, than fake things. I found myself on a early learning catalog company's website not too long ago. I imagine you've had an aneurysm. Where I they, imagine that was really... Well, no, I just, I tried to message them about something and it's been about two months now. I haven't heard back from them. They, I was looking at um, fake rocks. And Can you say that, but slower? You were looking at fake, fake rocks. rocks. Um, yeah, they're kind of fake river rocks. They're kind of smoothed off little primary colored, I believe, plasticky, foamy kind of rocks. Um, and I, I, I mean, for like, I don't know, I'll guess a, a dozen of them, it's like 60 bucks. Um, and I'm like, you know, you could, you could call your local rock guy and you could get, you could get a ton of real rock. You for, could call your local bucks. five-year-old and say, yeah. can you find me a bunch of rock? Yeah. So, I, I mean, and, and I feel the same thing about the toilet. If kids are going to play with, uh, 
with a with a toilet i'd rather have them i mean i i'd go to the uh the uh habitat for humanity store and buy an old, a toilet. Uh, old toilet and, and put that in the playground and and see what that turned into in 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 lieu in lieu <laughs> lieu <laughs> in lieu of using the the anthropomorphic one um because i mean that way if they wanted to to give that one a personality they could get the paint out and and paint a face on it it could, yeah. be, it could be it could be the the playground uh toilet i'm sure they'd name it johnny <laughs> yeah wow you're just on fire oh, right now with these the fun. dad jokes are just flying <laughs> they're uh, flowing <laughs> yeah I, I think that's that's a, a little bit more real than than the fake stuff although um the fake one sounds kind of cute and i'm i'm I, i'm trying to figure out what kind of voice it would have uh, hmm. oh i'm i'm an anthropomorphic <laughs> toilet i need to poop i'm so constipated i don't know why, I, does, I, the, I why does the to does the toilet use another toilet to poop see now we're getting into oh, really man. weird territory oh, <laughs> not comfortable <laughs> Hey, hey, listeners! If you have any idea where a anthropomorphic toilet would would poop, if indeed it did come to life and need to, um, and then what's its whole digestion? Ah, boy! It sounds like a riddle the Sphinx would give you, but the Sphinx is high. Yeah, and knows what toilets are because <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, the Sphinx has been listening. It has cable. It's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. Any other thoughts on uh, on anthropomorphism or toilets before we wrap this up? Um, no, I really, I really think we've wrapped it up with this important question of if the toilet needed to use the toilet, where would the toilet then be going? Yeah, and yeah. how many layers do we get before our brains start to melt in disgust and horror? Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, if you're listening, hope you're still listening. Hope you're still listening, Jimmy. Uh, great butt, man. Great butt. This has been the Child Care Bar and Real Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.